Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toe Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of, we'll just say Westminster Effects and Nose Pedal because Nosemister family, yeah, it just sounds weird, doesn't it? Uh, you can check us out, westminstereffects.com, buy stuff. Make sure you join in the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, Augsburgian Christian Westminster effects artist and occasional sexy boat captain John Ross is not joining us today. He had some work stuff pop up, but uh, we basically swapped John Ross out for this guy <laughs> in person with me. Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Me. I'm back in black. Fair, I'm back in black. Fair, but you're not wearing black. I'm not wearing black. I'm not even wearing all that much black compared you to are. normal. I'm wearing my brave stuff because it's opening day as we record. That's true. Opening, opening day, day in July is weird. Yeah, you have on a blue shirt and black shorts. It looks <laughs> yeah. awesome. Well, it's it's a Braves Bobby Cox jersey <laughs> shirt. Um, but you know, if somebody wasn't a Braves fan, they might think that I was wearing a jersey for you. <laughs> since it since it says Cox on yeah. the back. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, but. You know, regardless, uh, this is basically your last thing before you go on a three-week sabbatical. How about that? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, we a uh, little context for the listeners, if you're interested. Uh, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But <laughs> um, back around January, February, um, our church leadership approved a six-week sabbatical for me. Um, mm-hmm. Mary and I are pretty tired at the beginning of the year. I mean, right. ministry fatigue is a real thing. We deal, yeah. we tend to deal in the heavy of people's lives, and um, and and I don't know. It. My goal was to take a sabbatical every five years, and it's been seven since my last one. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, our, our leadership, of which you're a part, was very gracious and approved a six-week sabbatical for me that was supposed to begin at the end of April. Mm-hmm. And last through mid June, um, but then Corona hit and the pandemic, and that just presented all new sorts of challenges. And plus, we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So um, we we just sort of postponed it indefinitely. And um, the interesting thing was, I, I really got a decent amount of rest, at least the right kind of rest mm-hmm. during the pandemic. We worked hard. There were obviously lots of new challenges for a pastor and for a church. To navigate, but I, I think there was something restful about the new challenge. Yeah, um, it's something energizing about that, and also, I mean, I sat on my couch for nine Sundays in a row. <laughs> so I mean, we pre-recorded our content and aired it on Sunday, and so which and and you you talk about rest, but even even the amount of energy you expend talking to a camera instead of a live audience has to be significantly less, right? It is. It really is. And I think I've, I've, I've rediscovered that at now that we've started doing live church again mm-hmm. or in-person church Especially again. Especially two services. <laughs> two services, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I had some rest. And so I went back to the leadership and just said, look, I, I really do, and Mary feels the same way, um, feel a lot more rested than we did at the beginning of the year. Right. And so I suggested, why don't we just cut it in half what we had originally planned and I'll just take a little bit of an extended vacay. So leaving, uh, the day after tomorrow and I'll be gone for a week and a half and then, but I'm off a total of three weeks, mm-hmm. um, before I'll be back at church. I don't preach for four weeks. So it's, 
we're excited about it. We're going to have some good family time, and yeah. Mary and I are going to get away, just the two of us as well, and um, I don't know, I might do a little fishing. I've got some books I'm going to read, um, and um, you know, just have some personal alone time with the Lord, and, and then also some do-nothing time. We're oh, yeah. have some do-nothing time. Oh, yeah. We all need some just vegetation time, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go find a pond somewhere and throw a line in the water and sit there and probably not care if I really catch anything or not. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know. Well, speaking of someone who has entered into his eternal rest, how about that for a professional segue? Nice. Um, J.I. Packer uh, passed last week at the ripe age of 93. Man. 93, and he was active writing and speaking at conferences until about two years ago. It's amazing, isn't when, it? Well, yeah, it, it really is. Like, the amount of energy that guy... He wasn't, like, a high-energy guy. No. <laughs> no. But, but just the fact that he was still going yeah. uh, until the macular degeneration just rendered his eyesight useless enough that he just couldn't yep. anymore. Uh, he wrote a ton. Uh, he was involved in the Chicago Statement on Inerrancy. He was a mm-hmm. big champion of that in the 70s, and we still see the ripples of that today. Uh, and I, I keep hearing about how he endorsed basically every book. He spoke at any conference he was invited to, even if it wasn't, if it was just like a no-name conference. Like, if we put on a conference <laughs> that no one cared about, Packer would probably have shown up if we asked. What's the intro that like he wrote... Which, which book that it's uh, the intro is more more infamous than the book it's yeah that he wrote the uh, intro for the death of death death of death that's yeah. right the death of death and uh, so he wrote the preface for that republishing with uh, who was it oh I'm blanking was it banner of truth I think so um, but even uh, James White was telling a story about his experiences with Packer a couple days ago on the dividing line. And, you know, a lot of guys write endorsements where they don't even really read the manuscript that they're sent. But but Packer was sent a copy of the King James Only Controversy, and when he sent his endorsement, he's like, hey, by the way, you made these mistakes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he's correct. He was even correcting typos. Yeah. Uh, so he was just like that kind of guy. Humble. S- yeah, super humble, super... Super intelligent, very, uh, and really well spoken. I could probably listen to him read a phone book. <laughs> yeah, he, he's such a great guy. You know, I my first sabbatical that I that I ever took was, like I said, seven years ago, and mm-hmm. I read Knowing God. Yeah. Um, and actually, when Packer passed away, and it was right around the same time that. Our church leadership decided I was going to go ahead and take three weeks off. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to read uh, A Quest for Godliness. Mm. So that's one of the books I'm going to read on my sabbatical. That'll be good stuff. Yeah. I haven't read that one. Yeah. Um, I've, the there other, was a long yeah. quote from Piper's tribute to Packer from mm-hmm. in that book. Uh, that Really just talking about the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. and salvation. And so, I, I don't know. I just had the thought, you know what? I'm going to read that on sabbatical. So yeah. I, that's one of the, that's on my reading list for sabbatical. Yeah. And we, we talked about Packer's humility, his book on prayer, like yeah. in the preface, he's like, you know, I'm not very good at this either. <laughs> and or where he's even taking that tone. It's like, that's J.I. freaking Packer saying, yeah, I'm going to teach you about this, but I also 
need to learn about it. I think it's such a unique quality among highly intellectual people to somehow yeah. maintain a level of accessibility. Yeah. You know, you don't find a lot of highly intelligent people. It's not that there aren't, I mean, that I know I'm being a little stereotypical, but you find highly intelligent people that write well and think well that are genuine people and do mm-hmm. care about others. Right. But they tend to come across like they're not accessible. And yet mm-hmm. Packer was one of those that just made you feel like you could sit down. I mean, I never met the guy, you know. Right. I never saw him teach in person, but um, just reading his stuff um, – you just feel like you're 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 sitting down and having a chat with a normal dude who is incredibly smart, um, and so yeah, I appreciate that about I appreciate that kind of thing. Right, but him. he also he also doesn't intimidate you. No, when when you would hypothetically sit down with him, right? No, I agree. Yeah. Um, so Sproul was that way too. Mm-hmm. I think I think Sproul, you know, he has a little bit of an edge to him, a sharp edge to him, but he. I don't know. I've always found Sproul very relatable as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Just with the way he would, he loved to make his golf references all the time, yeah. right? Or yeah. or even reference the Pittsburgh Steelers since he was a huge Steelers fan. Huge Steelers fan. Um, but but when you bring in those kind of popular, graspable for the general audience kind of analogies, mm-hmm. you inherently make yourself one more relatable, and then you can hopefully make your content more understandable, right? I agree. Um, so with, with Packer, we have a, and Sproul within the last few years as well. Um, and you know, eventually we're going to have guys like Piper, uh, pass away eventually. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we have, you know, 20 more years with Piper, right? Yeah. Uh, but eventually he's going to go and, you know, we're going to, I can think of, you know, Steve Lawson, Albert Moeller, they're all getting older. Um, so how do we, uh, as as modern Christians, not not just in the quote unquote celebrity preacher, mm-hmm. celebrity theologian world, but even in our own churches, honor older folks um, and kind of treasure what they offer, right? Because I, that's that's really one thing that I keep noticing in in the modern church world is we really don't give a crap about old people. <laughs> It's true. Uh, it's it's we. It has to be about youth, and then the old people. Well, if it's too loud, then you're too old, and you can sit in the back or deal with it. Yeah, my hope is that the pendulum is swinging in back in the right direction again. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm old enough to remember the days when it seemed as though church was all about the older folks, right? And then there was this massive. Sp- swing back the other way that we got to reach the next generation because we're losing them. They're leaving the church. The church isn't relevant. And there was all that, you know, uh, that emphasis in, you know, I think towards the end of the eighties and into the nineties. Um, but I, I I sort of see where there's a trend back the other way where there's a recognition that we need seasoned voices in the church. We need, we, we, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of, just sort of, I don't know, um, infatuation with young, high-energy guys. And it's not that there aren't. I mean, people like David Platt mm-hmm. um, or even J.D. Greer, you know, uh, younger mm-hmm. guys that I think 
have something to say. Yeah, Matt Chandler even. Matt Chandler's a great one. Um, you know, hopefully those are the kinds of guys that are going to take, you know, take the Pipers and the Sproles and the Molers place in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. at least in America. But I think honoring them means it, it, it's first about listening. Yeah. Um, I think we are not, this generation is not, I would not say it's marked by good listening. Just learning mm-hmm. how to, learning where and when to close your mouth and listen. Mm-hmm. You know, not to have a response for everything. I remember a mentor told me when I was in my early 20s, I remember distinctly I had spoken up in, in a meeting that he was in um, that I had been allowed to sit in on. And he pulled me aside afterwards and he said, you know, you need to learn when to be quiet. Mm. And I really appreciated that yeah. at the time. I mean, that was kind of a slap on the behind, but it was, you need to learn when to be quiet. So I think honoring them means listening, you know, taking in uh, what these guys write and what they say and how they teach and what they emphasize. And, um, and then, you know, at the same time, um, I think, you know, learning from them and applying what we learn from them. I mean, you know, when I think about Piper, um, when he passes on, my hope is that the mark he leaves on the church is, is, is the desire to read the word of God and understand it well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's his emphasis. I think, I think Sproul, um, what would we say is the mark he left on the church? I mean, just just a high view of the holiness and righteousness. Yeah, of God. I was going to say the holiness of God, and and I'm currently reading Everyone's a Theologian, yeah. right? Which is you know it's stripped down, but it is a systematic theology mm-hmm. where where Sproul's like no, like re- <laughs> regardless of how deeply you think about God, if you think about God at all, mm-hmm. you're a theologian. Mm-hmm. And uh, and making that accessible to everyone, it's it's almost like <laughs> he might turn over in his grave if you hear me say this, but it's almost kind of like how how uh, punk rock in the seventies made <laughs> music accessible for super average musicians. Yeah, right. Yeah. So all you needed to know was how to play power chords in a four four beat. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> like that's you so listen true. to the Ramones, and everything is just stupid simple. But the Ramones. Or uh, in maybe the late 90s, mid-2000s, bands like Blink-182 and Newfound Glory made music accessible. Mm-hmm. And so those were kind of gateway bands for me to get into. And now I listen to stuff like Animals as Leaders with eight-string guitars and polyrhythms and all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. And it's the and it's really kind of the same way with, with theology mm-hmm. is you have to have that gateway with things that you can grasp and then also things that you can reach for. Yep. Because if it's only the things that you have to reach for, well, <laughs> you're, one, either you're not strong enough to do that pull-up yet, mm-hmm. or two, uh, you haven't grown enough to just reach up and grab it in the first place. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, um, I, I know he's not dead either, but like Moeller, I, I don't know how you feel about him, like what his main, main contribution is to the to the church, but I feel like he's a go-to for me in in terms of thinking biblically about what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially like it being July right now as we record, I don't know what to do with my mornings as I get ready because uh-huh. every morning I listen to the briefing. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and and he helps us just break things down and he slows everything down. All right, so this 
therefore this, therefore this, yep. right? Yep. And and his contributions with uh, even podcasts like uh, Thinking in Public, mm-hmm. where he'll interview an intellectual of some sort, doesn't even have to be a Christian intellectual, mm-hmm. but just listening in on those kinds of conversations where they do such deep dives on stuff that I might not even care about, right. ultimately, but just hearing how they think about those things mm-hmm. and making that accessible, mm-hmm. where normally those conversations would be, you know, in in the smoke-filled rooms, (laughs) and you'd never hear those, but now we have that opportunity. Sure, sure, yeah. I thought you were going to say something. (laughs) Have we exhausted this topic in 17 minutes and 24 seconds? No, I don't think so. I think think one thing that we can also do with Packer, uh, with as much as we love him, we also don't want to caricature him like people often do with church history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really easy for us. Uh, I, think of, I think of Calvin, mm-hmm. uh, where we love Calvin, sure. right? The guy, the guy, even if you don't agree with his doctrine on salvation, the guy was probably the best exegete who has ever lived. I would agree. Um, and, but then, like the Arminians will say, oh, well, he killed Servetus. And then they caricature him that way, right? Where, right. where we don't, we don't want to recognize, well, he was a dude. Mm. <laughs> he was a guy just like us. Yep. Yep. Um, Packer, we can do the same thing because he was in on the evangelicals and Catholics together statement. Yep, yep. And, you know, Sproul heavily disagreed with him on that. Uh, as did Moeller. As did Moeller. And, and we would disagree with that even now Yep. where we would say Packer made a mistake. Sure. And that's okay. And, and you, uh, you know, I think, there are levels of mistakes, you know, like there, there are, there are mistakes in theology, mistakes morally, obviously, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, mistake or, or character flaws that I think disqualify, you know, like we're not going to honor, I shouldn't say it, maybe I shouldn't say it this way, but I think about like people on the extremes, um, that we may not even include in the evangelical world, like the Kenneth Copeland's or yeah. even somebody that's dead, like uh, Kenneth Hagan. Yeah. Um, who, from our vantage point, if there was any positive contribution to the body of Christ, there's just way more harm. Right. Uh, and, and the positive contribution is that they were so public that it exposed their flaws quicker, right? Maybe so. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, you might make the case that those guys, do I guess hold to this, you know, sufficiency of Christ and preach Christ for salvation and mm-hmm. uh, salvation by faith in Christ and and so you know Paul says some preach for selfish gain. I'm just happy that Christ is preached. Just right? somehow, so, yeah. So it, maybe we put them in that category, but I think there are there's room for people to have like I don't think Martin. I mean, contrary to what John Ross would say, I don't think Martin Luther had his head around communion right. Sure. I think Zwingli did, mm-hmm. uh, but there was so much that that Martin Luther. I mean, obviously, the, <laughs> Martin Luther is a is a key figure in church history and and provided so much. But I, I, on communion, I think he was wrong. Right, and and then we could even get into late Martin Luther, where he got pretty anti-Semitic. Yeah, he did, and and we would disagree with with the way that he talked about Jews, and mm. but we recognize. 
Sola Fide is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, if, if we don't have Luther, obviously God's going to do whatever he wants, however mm-hmm. he wants, with whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah. Uh, but with Luther, if you don't have Luther, you don't, ultimately, you don't have the church we're sitting in right now. No, you don't. I think John MacArthur's wrong on spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. I think dead wrong. And I think, I think it, MacArthur's take on spiritual gifts is harmful. To the body of Christ. I, I just don't think a cessationist viewpoint in, in its truest sense is helpful. But yet, I, I think John MacArthur provides so much good oh, to yeah. the body of Christ. And there's so much right about his theology that we can we can honor that and respect that. There is something for, you know, sort of sorting through the wheat and throwing out the chaff, you know, and and I think you have to do that with everybody and honoring people doesn't mean you put them on this pedestal where they, there's no room for flaw and human weakness because all of us have that. Um, And even within MacArthur's strange fire stuff, there are still good conversations that happen because of that, and, and and good considerations of of looking at some of the really whacked out practices mm-hmm. and being like, well, I didn't know that certain churches were doing that, and that's messed up. No, it is. And, and so you, then you're aware, and then you can think through that kind of thing, even if you disagree with some of his ultimate conclusions, right? Yeah. Yep. I just you know we're so quick to throw the baby out with the bathwater in right. so many ways, and and you know for. I loved I loved uh, Moeller's tribute to Packer in that he you know acknowledged their significant disagreement over yep. over the statement and and yet such honor um, right. to that Even when Billy Graham died I mm-hmm. thought John Piper wrote a fantastic tribute to Billy Graham you know honoring his contributions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, acknowledging some of his flaws, perhaps some flaws in his theology, and yep. some things that he said that were very problematic. Yeah, like toward the end of his life, he started leaning kind of inclusivist on some stuff. It and sure did seem that way, and then and then yet I heard some things after the fact, after that infamous interview that he did with Robert Schuller, um, I heard some things later after mm-hmm. that that almost seemed like the exact opposite of what he said right. in Schuller's right. church. So. Those those things, I'm not sure what to do with. Um, right. But you know, I I thought Piper wrote a great tribute to Billy Graham, and I think you know when you ask the question, how do we honor these mm-hmm. folks? I think we take our cues from the Albert Mullers and the John Pipers that have honored people like Jaya Packer mm-hmm. and Billy Graham, and 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 learn from that. Right. We need to learn how to honor uh, from those guys who are really still here and still leading the church um, at, at a you know a high level. Yeah. I think those guys give us a great example. And like I said, Albert Moeller's tribute to Packer was was fantastic. Uh, I think you posted the video. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was just it was just fantastic. I think it's a great example. And and even those like those little personal anecdotes of of humanizing yeah. the guy. Because because we can think of uh, <laughs> we could think think of Packer or any number of these guys is basically a, a brain with legs sometimes, <laughs> right? That's true. That's right. <laughs> where um, where Moeller told the story of picking up J.I. Packer at the airport in <laughs> yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to go to... He wanted to go to Heritage USA, Heritage which USA. was Jim and Tammy Faye Baker's amusement park. <laughs> I loved that. I yeah. just thought that was fantastic. And, uh, and that was during the whole 
bankruptcy and corruption scandal and all that where it were was they crashing at the yeah, time. Yeah, they they pulled up and a tractor was plowing up a, a flower <laughs> arrangement that said forgiven. <laughs> That's so awesome. I mean, it's not awesome, but it's right, like, right. I just love that Packer was enthralled with that. I right, it's funny. Right, and uh, and that that story of Al Mohler running into Shaquille O'Neal, Mohler not having a clue who Shaquille O'Neal was, and was so and Packer awesome. being just so excited about it. Like, well, what did he say? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Like, you don't you don't think about guys like Packer or Piper being. Or, or Sproul being sports fans, uh, yeah. but apparently Piper is a huge sports fan. Uh, like is he? he uh, that's what uh, his son says on the Happy Rant, is that while he doesn't own a TV, like if a game is on, Piper's all in. And, wow. and he just loves it. Like he just loves the competition. He loves the athleticism and all that. So I, don't, I, it, it, I guess I've gotten the impression that he's sort of anti yeah. that form of entertainment, but... Um, I don't know. He doesn't own a TV, so I, I didn't, I didn't right. really like sports. That's right. awesome. <laughs> He's not a golf fan. I know that. Right. <laughs> He's not a golf fan. <laughs> so. Well, I'm, I'm not. Honestly, I'm not much of a golf fan either. I always want to hit it to right field. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so it never goes well for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Inquisition, shall sure. we? Awesome. Alrighty, and it's time for the Inquisition. Uh, this is the section every week where we take questions from you, the listener, via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. I'll give you one guess, Bradley, who this first question's from. Ryan Morris. As is tradition. Uh, he gives a hypothetical question, and he says, I am not considering uh, leaving my current position, but he's had a lot of people ask why he's still in California, given some of the governor's recent tyrannical orders mm. uh, and his response has been people still need Jesus here uh, but hypothetically how do you know when it's time to call it quits on a mm. ministry slash church slash mission field Ooh. that's a heavy one right it's a heavy one um, I, I tell you Brian a, a wise man said this to, <clears throat> to me one time and I, it's not in the Bible necessarily mm-hmm I, you know, I almost catch myself when I say that. I think I maybe could point to a few things in Scripture that I could anchor this thought to. Um, but I've tried to live by this when it comes to transition, is that God doesn't lead me away from something without leading me to something else. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say that the only time the leaving a ministry position in one church is when there is another ministry opportunity in another church right, right. in front of you. Right. Um, there was a, for, I'll give you an example. Um, when I graduated college, married my wife, we moved to North Carolina and accepted a, a ministry position there as associate pastor and we were there two years. Mm-hmm. And a year into that, a year into that, I got an offer from a big church in Florida that was, it, I mean, it was all the glitz and glamour that you could yeah. imagine. I was in a relatively small church, and this church was massive. My, my salary was going to double. I was in mm-hmm. my early 20s and barely making enough to buy toilet paper. And it was just... <laughs> you, you know, were having to use the Sears catalog. Oh, <laughs> man. It, you know, so... 
but I, the Lord's, I went camping and um, uh, just to pray about it when they offered me that job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear an audible voice or anything, but I just got alone in the woods with my Bible and prayed. And it was just clear to me coming out of that, mm-hmm. that that was not the right thing for me. Right. Uh, converse, that, well, a year later, another opportunity opened up and it was with a church plant that couldn't pay me anything. Hmm. And it was just so clear that the Lord was leading me to that right position. Um, a few years later, the 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 position at that church just kind of came to an end. There was a there was a guy that I had sort of trained up in that young church to take my position, mm-hmm. and it was time to turn him loose. Uh, the job that I was working for for the college uh, nearby, that position just sort of. It's kind of a long story, but it 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 just came to an end. I wasn't right. fired. I didn't. It just it was like you know what, it was time. Right. And I didn't have a clear path to the next ministry position. Mm-hmm. And I actually started to put my resume together and send it out. And I again, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, "Put your resume away. Mm-hmm. I will open a door when I'm ready through relationships." And lo and behold, about. I don't know, about a year later, I ended up con- reconnecting with Pastor Barr, our pe- pastor mm-hmm. emeritus, and here I am 15 and a half years later. Right. So I think that it it's not just about, hey, this situation isn't good, so I need to move to a better situation. Right. I think you pray and just trust that God's going to lead you from one assignment to the next when it's time. I right. think that's, that is the case I think I could make in Scripture. And, yeah. And I, I'm never... I see too many guys hop around. I don't want to spend too much time on this question, but I see too many guys hop around from ministry position to ministry position because they don't like the challenges here. I want to go mm-hmm. somewhere where I can find an easier path or right. an easier life. And all, I, all while not realizing you're still dealing with people. Yeah, it, people it just are messy. doesn't work. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not how I think God intends us to behave. I think you need to get planted and rooted and trust that God will open the door and lead you to the next thing when yeah. it's time. And and you might not necessarily have a perfect piece about it too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when I when I quit my last proper job, and then you know I went freelance and for social media and blogging and that kind of thing, and uh, eventually started. <laughs> A pedal company. Mm-hmm. Who thought that was a good idea? But it it wasn't. Oh yeah, I prayed about it, and I've got this perfect piece. It was no. I got to get out of here because yeah. this place is toxic, and if I stay here, it's it's gonna be bad in the long run. Yeah. And so it's just like, all right, bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Go do something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you might not get a a warm fuzzy feeling. <laughs> it yeah. might actually be the toughest thing you've ever done. Yeah. I tell you, I think the church is going to thrive in California. Yeah. I think, I think you know, there, there's, and, and I, I can say this from the cheap seats because I'm in the Bible Belt. I understand that. Right. But there's part of me that when I read about the, the governor of California doing such things, it's like, bring it on, man. Like, yeah. the, the church is going to thrive. You're going yeah. to try to shut it down. And it's just throughout church history, isn't mm-hmm. it? That anytime the church gets squeezed, it tends to grow. And, right. Um, so... Kudos for Brian for not jumping ship, you know, when and until when and if the Lord moves him to another place. So. Yeah. Next question, John Trailer. 
what are some words of wisdom for someone who is uh, college age and trying to invest as much as possible in his home church before leaving for school about two hours away? Words of wisdom as to how to how to invest in his in his home church. He's going to school about two hours away, so he'll he should be getting planted somewhere mm-hmm. in that college town, two hours mm-hmm. away. But in the meantime, but in the, the meantime, before he goes to school, what? I mean, the first word that comes to my mind is just serve. You know? Yeah. Um, I think I think too many times we when we think about maximizing opportunities or or trying to contribute we, we default to thinking well I've got to change things I've got to be a change agent and certainly we want to be change agents we want to affect things for the good we want to we want to make a difference and leave things better than we find mm-hmm. it but I think the 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 starting line for that if if he's not I, the, the way the question reads, it almost sounds like maybe he's not doing much in that local mm-hmm. church at the moment, or maybe he is. I don't know. Or maybe not as much as he would like to, even. Yeah, I would just make myself available. Yeah. You know, and, and I would go to the pastor and go to the leadership and say, look, I've got X amount of time before I go to school. How can I help you? How can mm-hmm. I be a part of it? How can I support? Where can I serve? And And I would say this. Whatever the answer to that question is, how can I serve while I'm mm-hmm. here? Don't think about the task as much as the people that you're going to be around right. while doing that. Because the pastor may say, I'm just pulling this out of thin air. Hey, I could really use your help with student ministry right now. Right. And so you might think, well, okay, maybe there's a youth pastor in the church and I'm going to go in and help the youth pastor set up the youth service. Mm-hmm. Again, just thinking out loud. Don't worry about the task, whatever the task is so much. is just pay attention to the, the students there that the Lord might want to open their hearts and lives to you, and you make, you make a deposit in them before you leave two right. hours away. You know, like, it's, it, to me, ministry is, is about people. It's about God using us in the lives of people, and whatever the task or assignment might be in the organization of the church, focus on the people that the Lord might surround you with before you you move and go to school. Yeah, and I would say make sure you have at least a couple of people who you can hit up whenever, mm-hmm. you know, or or they're going to call you up and and keep tabs on you because, you know, four-year schools where, mm-hmm. you know, everybody is congregated, you have a bunch of young stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stupid things can happen. And so if if you still have that accountability rooted in your home church, it's a lot easier sure. to stay accountable with those kind of things. But you know, like this comes to mind when, when you've got a limited amount of time in a place. Mm-hmm. I remember the internship that I did between my junior and senior year of college. I had th- two months at a church mm-hmm. and I did everything. While I was there, I led worship. I taught Sunday school. I led the youth ministry. The youth pastor actually got fired while I was there, oh, and man. I ended up taking it over. Um, I, I I mowed the grass. I I, I spread mulch. You, you really do mean everything. I did everything. Uh, ran sound. I mean, you name it, I did it. But you know, the 
the, the, the most significant thing that I think happened that summer was there was a guy there that was a little bit younger than me who had just gotten saved, had just gotten off of drugs, and the church did not trust him. His family was kind of rooted in that church, mm-hmm. but he had just started coming back to church. And when the youth pastor got fired, I took him alongside me because he, he had a big personality. He was, he was mm-hmm. really passionate for the Lord. And I just kind of brought him in alongside me and let and asked, I said, will you help me? And we kind of became fast friends. And I wouldn't say I mentored him because I wasn't that much older than him. But we just worked together. Mm-hmm. And it was an iron sharpening iron kind of thing. And when I left from that internship, they hired him. And he was the youth pastor there oh, wow. for about five years and quadrupled that youth ministry. Oh, goodness. And I'm, that's why I'm saying, yeah. you know, it's when you got a short amount of time in a place, I would just pay attention to the people that God might surround you with that might have an impact on you and you on them. Yeah. Uh, quick gear question from Austin Dobbs. What microphone would you recommend for someone to start recording gear demos slash playthroughs in order to record the commentary, the vocal stuff? I got nothing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well the church just acquired... And you borrowed my uh, Amazon six dollar lapel microphone for a little bit, and that's true. And that that mic is actually really good. It really does work. Yeah, so it's it's a wired lapel mic. It's uh, what is it? Rock da mic uh, on Amazon, uh, and it you know it's 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 wired. So that kind of sucks, but. At the same time, it's six dollars, and it comes with an extender. Yeah, I mean, I used it every week. Oh yeah, and so you just plug that into a phone, you know, if it's a newer phone with a dongle, yeah, and, and then you're good, and it sounds fantastic. It really does. Um, yeah. So what I do usually with demos is I will, and obviously my demos aren't all that good because I'm not a demo player, but I'll run that mic into the phone, and then. Uh, I'll run the guitar audio into whatever computer thing I'm doing. Uh, just make sure that your audio is at 48k. Otherwise, it'll start. The video will start lagging behind the audio, and it'll be a mess. <laughs> and then, cool. and then it looks like the old Godzilla movies with the overdubbed. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Uh, last one, Farrakh Zindli. Should we read the Old Testament as it's packaged in our modern Bibles, or should we go back to the Tanakh arrangement as the scrolls, scrolls were thousands of years ago? How about that for a nerdy question, right? Nice. I, I like it, though. Where So, for those who aren't aware, the Tanakh is... it's. It's basically like an acronym, right? Like a Jewish acronym. It's, it stands for Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketavim. So Torah being uh, the basically the Pentateuch, the law. The Nevi'im being the prophets, mm-hmm. and then the Ketavim being the writings or the wisdom stuff: wisdom Proverbs, literature. Job, uh, Psalms, mm-hmm. etc. Um, where the Jewish arrangement of the Old Testament is is the Psalms and Proverbs are at the very end, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As opposed to kind of in the middle, splitting up the history with the prophets. Yep. Is that potentially a more profitable arrangement? I, I don't... Maybe. I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. say that I've thought about that yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the chronological history is a little bit difficult to 
you know, sort right. out with the way it's arranged right now. So I guess maybe that's where I would get where he's coming from with that. But I can't say that I have a, a strong opinion. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about at least. Yeah, sure. Uh, because if you if you read straight through the prophets, those aren't necessarily in. They're not in order. In order. They're not. Um, so then it, that might screw you up pretty hard, but that's where we have really good resources at the same time. I was about to say there's some really good stuff out there right now that can help you read through the Old Testament. Um, but, you know, the Old Testament is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Mary and I have been reading our, our she and I have morning read, reading scripture time and prayer together several times a week and. We've been reading, I'll tell this quick story. We've been reading First and Second Samuel. Yeah. And we take turns reading, you know, and it was her morning to read. And she read the story where David um, learns that the Ammonite king is, has died. Mm-hmm. I think it's he had died or somebody in his family had died. Maybe. I can't remember now. Anyway, somebody died. And David sends a, um, a delegation of comforters. Mm-hmm. And the comforters come in, and the Ammonites are like, "Do we really think that David is sending comforters here? Like this is a, this is a ploy. He's sta- he's scoping us out. He's going to try to kill us." And so Mary's never read this story before. I don't think that she. So the Ammonites take these this delegation sent from David, and they shave off half their beards, yep. and they yep. cut their clothes at the, the at the mid. Mm-hmm. You know, basically leaving things exposed there. And I wish I'd have taken a picture of Mary's face when she read that. It was awesome. I mean, it was Tungay Pink Stare. It was just like. <laughs> oh, man. It was so fun. I laughed and laughed. And, that, and laughed. that's when uh, David sends them off to like regrow <laughs> yeah, their beards yeah, so they're not shamed beards. out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they like hides them away. They got to grow their beards back. But can you imagine? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place today. I got up super early. Yeah, my brain's a little fried. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you've got everything from like <laughs> women driving tent pegs through dudes, not not just into their heads, but totally through their yeah. skull into the ground. You got stuff like that. You got, um, who was it? Who, uh, who had, Oh, who was it? They, they had the entire town get circumcised. Mm-hmm. And mm. then, and then when they were still sore, they went in and killed everybody in the town. There's, there's, <laughs> there's some crazy stuff, man. I mean, it's a very barbaric time. Um, for sure. But uh, yeah, we digress from the question, right? Um, I, I, you know, my my advice to someone would not be to necessarily go back um, to that, but but to take advantage of the resources that are out there right now to help right. you, you know, decipher sort of the chronological order of things. But. Yeah, it's. It, it. I don't really use the Reformation Study Bible by Ligonier for like everyday stuff. Uh, right. Because there's so much stuff to get distracted by, yep. but particularly if I'm starting something I'm not terribly familiar with, the introductory 
essay at the beginning of every book is really helpful. Super helpful. Um, mm-hmm. It'll tell you when they think it was written, who the author was, kind of the occasion for that. Um, and there's all kinds of other uh, resources out there, too. Yeah. For in that same vein. Sure. So good stuff. Shall we leave it there? We shall. Go on your sabbatical. I'm going. <laughs> Follow us, comment on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you share the show. Subscribe on iTunes and, and Spotify. Make sure you leave a five star review. You can support the show, donate, help us improve, and make sure you email me with your shipping address when you do that so I can hook you up with stuff. Uh, we'll see you next week. Well, Bradley won't. We'll swap him out for somebody see else. See you in a couple of weeks. Yes. Thanks for listening.